and verse 15 tonight. Psalm 50 and verse 15. A verse I hope you can quote. Psalm 50 and verse 15. Because it's one of those verses you need to tuck into your um, <clears throat> bag that you can pull out on a rough day. And there are rough days, aren't there? Psalm 50 and verse 15. God says, And call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. God wants you to call upon him in the day of trouble. In fact, we're going to see that the day of trouble is to help you call upon him. And God says, I will deliver you. And you know what he says? He says, and I will get glory from it. And you and I need to remember that, that God is all about us in the sense that he loves us and he cares about us. But if you want to know what the most important thing to God is, it's his glory. That's, it's his glory. And that's not him being selfish or mean. He doesn't forget about us in that at all. But God wants to be glorified. He wants, basically, that his creation will know that he is God. That he is in charge, that he rules in the affairs of men, and he wants man to give him the glory. And there's been a great battle going on uh, since Satan decided, Lucifer decided, that he would be as the uh, son of uh, the Most High, that he would be as God himself. There's been a great battle going on. It's all about glory. And the enemy's looking for your glory tonight, but God says, I want to be glorified. And as much as we hate troubles and difficulties and problems and issues, do you know what? When we face troubles and difficulties and problems and issues and we call upon the Lord and he delivers us, God gets glory. You get delivered and he gets glory. All right, let's pray. Father, would you bless us as we look to your word? Lord, we need your help. Oh, we are a feeble and a frail people, Lord, but we don't often think that, Lord. And Lord, we get above ourselves and we come to the place where we think we can handle life and we can handle the issues and we can handle the problems, Lord. And Lord, so often we just fall on our face when we do. Now, Lord, would you help us tonight? Help each one here to lay hold upon you. And that one that needs to call out to you tonight, Lord, may they do it tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we would all like to be independent, right? Uh, we would like to have no needs that we had to turn to anybody from. Am I odd in that, or are we all the same way? We'd kind of like that, wouldn't we? We would like not to be dependent upon anyone or upon anything. We'd like to be uh, independent finan financially. That's why over in the spa across the way there now they're selling lotto tickets to Bill beat the band because it's Wednesday night. Because you know what? Everybody's thinking, if I had the million, the five million or the 50 million, I would be able to run my own life. I wouldn't have to work a job and be subject to anybody. I could do whatever I liked if I had the money. Right? And you know what? We kind of think that too. Right? Uh, we, we want to be independent. Emotionally, uh, we are hurt in relationship and we decide, well, you know, I, I, I don't want to be dependent upon anybody. I don't want to be involved in a relationship. And we want to live without relationship because we want to be independent. Right? And it's just in us, this desire uh, to be <clears throat> independent. <clears throat> 
We don't want to have to fear anything. We don't want to have to be afraid of anything anymore. Uh, uh, the problem is, though, for us that everywhere we go, we're faced with dependence. It's kind of an illusion that you could be independent, but it's a very tasty illusion. You know, we're not independent. Financially, we're, we're not independent. You know, you can have money one day and it's gone the next. It doesn't matter how much you have. You know, uh, money gets wiped off the stock market and you know what? You could lose all your money. You could lose your job. The bank could go bust. I know that's impossible, isn't it? No, the banks can, can, can go bust too, right? <clears throat> sickness. Can you control sickness? Can you ever have enough money to control whether or not you get sick? No, you can't. I think you should take care of your body as best as you can, but you've got to understand this, that really you're not in charge. Really, you, 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 don't, you don't have your life in your hand. You know, they, they tell you if, you if you eat your five uh, a day and you get exercise and you do the list that you're going to live to be a ripe old age. Well, maybe. But if God decides it's your time, it's your time. And it doesn't matter how healthy you are, you're in his hand. You're not, you're not in control of your health, right? <clears throat> old age comes along with the... Uh, <clears throat> with, with the, the, the Loosing of our faculties and our ability to order our life, and then ultimately death comes to every one of us. Right? And troubles of one sort of another. And we're constantly deceived by the thought that after I sort out my current problem, I'm going to live happily ever after. Right? Are you young enough to believe that still? Right? That, that after I sort out this problem, I'm, it's going to be happy ever after now. There's going to be no problems. I, I, I hate to burst your bubble, but I do need to burst your bubble because I'm telling you, when this problem gets sorted out, there's another problem around the corner. When this problem gets fixed, there's, there's more. And there always will be more. Now, Chris, you don't need to leave because I said that, all right? <laughs> the, there's always going to be more problems. That's just the way life is, right? Um, I remember listening to a guy on the radio, and he was, he was just, uh, he was so frustrated because he absolutely loved Christmas. It was his favorite time of the year, and he just longed for Christmas every year. But every year, something happened to ruin his Christmas. Every year, some problem in his, in his isn't life like that, though? That, you know, the thing you look forward to most, something will happen to, uh, to cause a problem with it. <clears throat> And obviously, there's a principle at work that is frustrating our goal of independent happiness. And you've got to understand this. You've got to get this next point and understand it and take it on board. Um, because if you don't get it, you're going to live life constantly frustrated. God wants you dependent upon him. He wants you dependent upon him. He does not want you independent. And when you and I strive for independence, and ultimately it always includes God, we're at odds with God. Because he wants you depending upon him. He wants you in the place where you're, where you're looking to him and you're dependent upon him. He wants you in trouble so that you can call upon him. Because the truth is, if you and I didn't have trouble, I, I, I love to think I'm holier than that and better than that. But I know this, that if we didn't have trouble in our lives, we wouldn't give God the time of day. 
If we didn't have trouble in our lives, we'd drift and we'd keep on drifting. And so God makes sure that we don't. In fact, that's what the curse is all about. The curse is not God getting even with man. The curse is not even punishment for doing wrong. The curse is God building in dependence, need for creatures who, if they didn't have need, would never come to him. God built in need. He built in trouble. He built in problems into the world so that we can come to him. But now, don't get all fatalistic on me and come to the place where you think, oh yeah, that's it. You know, I, I knew things were bad. He's not talking about need that never gets met. He's talking about need that he intends to meet so that you get delivered and he gets glorified. Right? So, so don't get it wrong. Don't, don't think you're going, you're going to come to the place where you're independent. It's not going to happen. But don't come, think you, you come to the place where it's a miserable life and you know, life is tough and then you die and you just got to drag your way through it. That's not the way it is either. God's going to bring problems into your life to focus your attention on him so that he can deliver you. But you got to remember to call upon him in the day of need. you got to remember. <clears throat> you see, calling upon him shows our dependence, doesn't it? You know, <clears throat> there you are, you know, you're, you're, you're riding high in April, shot down in May, everything is going well, everything, you're on top of everything, and all of a sudden, there's a problem. There's a problem that you don't have uh, the, the, you know, the means, the ability to fix and to sort out. And there's a problem that you, you just can't sort out. And you call upon God. And in that moment, you recognize your creaturely dependence. Lord, I can't. It's beyond me. I'm asking you to do it for me, Lord. He wants you in that place. He puts you in that place. Right? <clears throat> Calling gets us right with God. Um, you know, because we need God, we walk with him. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, I don't think it's this petrified fear where we go around fearing and quaking because it's a love relationship that we have with him. But it's this. It's that I look at God and I know, listen, I'm completely dependent upon him. I can't, I can't afford to be out with him. I can't afford to walk off my own way and do my own thing because if I'm out with God, I'm going to need him. You know, so, so I need to, uh, calling with God gets me right with him. Calling with God keeps me right with him. Calling on God keep, keeps me right with him. Um, <clears throat> Queen Elizabeth gave the Earl of Essex uh, a ring <clears throat> and she bid him that if he were ever in any distress to send that ring to her and she would help him. That's a great thought, isn't it? Somebody very powerful gives you a ring and says, listen, you have a need, you have a problem, you send that ring to me, I'll recognize it and that I've given it to you, and whatever you've asked for, I'll sort it out for you, I'll do it for you. Isn't that a great thought? Wouldn't you love that? Wouldn't you love if somebody rich and powerful would do that for you? Well, somebody beyond rich and powerful has done that for you. God says, call upon me in the day of trouble. 
Come to me with your need. Come to me with your problem. Come to me with, with your difficulty. I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. Number two, God wants you to have troubles. Isn't that hard? That's hard, isn't it? You know, we don't like that because our, our very nature is to minimize, to get rid of, to remove the troubles in our life, isn't it? That's our nature. Our nature is to, to work towards resolving troubles, getting rid of troubles, so that we can live comfortably and easy uh, in our lives. But God wants me to have troubles. Now, it's very important that I actually make peace with that. Because if I don't make peace with that, you know, I'm fighting against what God is doing all the time. God just doesn't want you to have the trouble you have now. God doesn't want to have you just to have the big trouble that brought you to him. God wants you to have troubles. Plural. There, there, there's more coming. The, the, the only good thing I see about troubles is this, that the, 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 the more troubles I've been through and seen God deliver me in, the easier it gets to face the next one. Right? The, more, the, more, the more God shows me his ability to deliver me, the, the, the more I'm able to look at the trouble and say, yes, that's okay, God, God's in it. He'll, it'll, it'll work out. It'll be fine. Right? And, and, and that's the peace that comes in your life uh, when you learn to call upon God and you learn to see him work in your life. Um, do you know that God often leads us into trouble? That's hard, isn't it? Let me give you a biblical example. Nation of Israel. Nation of Israel came out from Egypt uh, and they went out into the wilderness and they came to a place where the Bible says there was nowhere for them to turn. They had the Red Sea in front of them. They had wilderness to one side and they had mountains to the other. There was nowhere for them to go. And Pharaoh and all his army were coming up behind them. God and God told them to go by that way. There was another way they could have gone, a much quicker way, but God told them to go by this way. Why did he do that? He led them into a bottleneck. He led them into a cul-de-sac with, a, uh, with, a, with an enemy coming up hard behind them. Why did he do that? Because he wanted them to have trouble. You know, Moses is the one that's actually getting it um, by this point in, uh, in his life, in his ministry. He's 80 years old, and he's beginning to get it. He's beginning to understand, right? And, um, you know, when God first sent him in to deliver the Israelites, he didn't want to go first off. And then he went in to Pharaoh and told Pharaoh he was to let the people go. And then Pharaoh made life harder for the people, and the people hated Moses at first. Because he didn't deliver them, he just made their lives harder. Right? And, and Moses comes to God and he says, well, why did you send me to these people? It's not gotten any better and you haven't delivered them and things are only worse. And he's, he's upset. He doesn't understand what's going on. But as he sees the plagues unfold and as he sees God's power and as he sees Pharaoh finally releasing the nation of Israel, he gets to know and understand that God is a deliverer. And so they're faced with the Red Sea at this point, two and a half million of them, with all their animals, their sheep, their cattle, their camels, everything they have, and they're facing the Red Sea, and Pharaoh's coming up, and he is furious. And Moses does this. He stands up, and he says, stand still and see the salvation of God. Because the Egyptians that you see today, you'll see them again no more. 
What's he saying? God's going to sort the situation out. God's going to deliver us. Do you know you can come to the place in your life where you're expecting God to deliver you? You can come to the place in your life where you have a problem, you have a difficulty, and it's not just you're kind of crossing your fingers and hoping God's going to deliver you. You're expecting God to deliver you. You don't know where the deliverance is coming from. I don't think anybody, including Moses, knew by this point that God was going to open the Red Sea and they were going to walk, walk through on it. We've read the story. We've, we, we, we've heard about it. We, we saw the film, didn't we? We saw the Prince of Egypt and, the, and they walked through on dry ground. We, we've seen it. Moses hadn't seen that. Nobody had seen that yet. Nobody had heard that yet. They didn't know what God was going to do, but Moses said, he's going to do something. Don't worry, we're going to be fine. Right? And you and I need to come to the place in our lives where we understand that, that God's going to deliver us. He's, that's who he is. You know, God is a deliverer by his nature. That's who he is. He, he wants you to know him as a deliverer in your life. He wants you to know him as the problem fixer, the problem solver. Not always the way you expect him to do it, not, not, not often the way you want him to do it, and you can't kind of, you know, tell God how you want to be delivered. But he wants you to call upon him in the day of trouble, and he will deliver you. That's who he says he is. You know, God still delivers his people. Uh, Ori and Heather and, and his family are going to be in Arklow tomorrow night. And they're, they're, they're having a thank, a thank you concert for Sarah being healed. Right? But do you know that, I was just thinking about this today. God could have stopped the whole thing from happening very easily. There was a tick that bit Sarah. Well, God was there. God knew there was... A tick. God knew Sarah was there. God could have stopped it like that. He could have squished that little bug. You know, God could, God could have caused that she didn't get infected from it. God could have caused that they noticed it and, you know, they, they, they had her uh, healed before she ever got sick. God could have done that. God could have done a whole bunch of things that he didn't do. You know, this is hard to think, but God let Sarah get bit by a bug. God let Sarah get sick. Now, why do you think he did it? You could look at that from one side and say, think that was mean. Couldn't you? you could have, when God lets some hard things happen in our lives, you could look at him and you could say that, that he's mean. No. You know what happened when Sarah got sick? A lot of people started calling upon God. A lot of people started realizing this child's going down. And the doctors can't help. Think that was an accident? And nobody knows what to do. And a lot of people started calling upon God. Do you know there's a purpose in all those things in our lives? The troubles and difficulties in your life are not just random events. God's never in heaven saying, oh, I can't believe that child. She got bit by a tick and that tick is going to uh, do such damage. God's never. God is always in it and he's working for our good. And you see, the thing for us is, though, that it's not one big trouble in our lives and then we're free. We kind of give to God that. When we work, so we're Christians now. Uh, we're the good guys. Uh, everything works out for the good guys. You, 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 listen, do you ever watch a Western? It always works out for the good guys. Right? And we think, because we're the good guys, 
Uh, it's all going to work out for us and everything's going to go right and everything's going to come our way and so on. And okay, so we'll say one big trial, one big difficulty, and after that's over, everything goes well. No. Job said this. Job said, yet man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upwards. You ever watch a fire? Well, the, the sparks just go up, don't they? You ever see the sparks going down? They just go up. The heat drives them up. The sparks fly upwards. He says, man is born to trouble the same way. Just like sparks fly up, you have trouble. That's, that, that's what he's saying. And I'll tell you what, poor old Job knew a thing or two about trouble, didn't he? He knew a thing, about, a thing or two about trouble. He struggled with it, but he knew a thing or two about trouble. Romans 5.3 says, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Why would you glory in tribulation? Why would you glory in troubles? Why would you glory in problems? Why would you glory in sickness? We glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Now that word patience is, is, can be translated as the word endurance. It's hanging in there. Trouble helps us to get to know God in a way that helps us to hang in there. Do you ever see somebody who starts off in Christianity in a flourish? And they are excited, and it's wonderful, and exciting, and, they're, and they're, you know, they're walking with God, and, and all of a sudden, kaboom, something happens in their lives, and they're wiped out completely. Do you know that God uses troubles in your life? Troubles that are just fit for you at the right time. To build patience, to build endurance, to help you stay in the game. Because the enemy's going to go after you. That's just par for the course. And God gives you troubles step by step and just exactly as you need them to bring you to the place where you're enduring, where you're walking with him. And patience, experience. Experience of what? Experience of God. God's a deliverer. He's got the troubles in your life so that he can deliver you, so that he can show his power in your life. And you know, when you face troubles and you call upon the Lord in the day of trouble and he delivers you, you know what? You've experienced God now in a way that you never could have experienced him in the good times. You've experienced him. You've been drawn closer to him and experience hope. And here's, what's, here's, what's, here's what happens, right? You have a trouble and you go, oh no, I can't fix this. Lord, would you help me? I'm calling upon you. You said call upon you, and I'm calling upon you. Lord, help me in my trouble. And <clears throat> you watch and you wait, for, and God delivers you. And when you've come through the problem, and you've been delivered, then you're saying, that was amazing. And you know what happens the next time? You begin to think, I wonder what God's going to do this time. I wonder how God's going to deliver me this time. Experience works, patience works experience, and experience works hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Do you know, one of the things that you and I need, probably the thing that we need more than anything else, is we need to know His love. But we're all love hungry. That's true. 
We're, we're, we're love hungry with such a deep love that the world can't satisfy it. The best relationships can't satisfy it. We're, we're love hungry. And you know what we need? We need to experience his love. Paul plays, prays in Ephesians chapter 3, and he prays that the church at Ephesus will know the love of God that passeth all understanding. He wants them to understand that, the depth and the height and the length and the breadth. But he's praying for it for them because he, he can't teach it to them. But you know what brings the love of God into focus in your life? When you have trouble and you call upon him and he delivers you and you say, he loves me. He loves me. I don't know why. I can't believe it, but he loves me. So your trouble is a gift of his love if you'll respond rightly to it. It's always a gift of his love. He's, he's drawing you into a love relationship with him. And, and the, the, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. And you know, when the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts, we're home. That's where we long to be. We can't get there any other way, though. The trouble is a gift of his love. Troubles bring us to salvation. How many of you recognize the fact, up your hand, that it was trouble in your life that brought you to salvation? And that if it wasn't for the trouble, you probably wouldn't be saved. Now, listen, wouldn't you like to think you were such a good person that you came seeking after God? <laughs> You'd love to think that of yourself, but it's not true. There were troubles in your life and difficulties in your life, and you came... You know, not even full of faith. You came thinking of nothing to lose. He said he'll save me and I need saving and I can't do it myself. And you cried out to him and he did, he did exactly what he said he would do. But it was trouble. That brought you to salvation. Trouble brings us back when we stray. Here's what we do. Sometimes, and, and sometimes preachers are guilty of this, Right? If you don't walk with God, he'll smite you. He'll, he'll make your life very hard. He will, he, will, he will come down like a ton of bricks on you. You'll find everything falling apart in your life. And we give the wrong impression of God, because that's not what God does. Here's what God does. When you walk away from God, and you go and do your own thing your own way, and you kind of ignore God and put God out of the picture, God doesn't stop loving you. He doesn't even love you less. I don't think he even gets annoyed with you. What he does is he says, okay, that's never going to work, kid. That's never going to work. That's not, that your, that your life and your return, they're going to get all messed up by you doing this. Uh, I'm just going to step back here. I'm going to withdraw my blessing and I'm going to let the world deal with you. And the world deals with us very harshly. And we need to understand the dynamic in the thing. Because if, if, if we believe the enemy, it's, yeah, well, God doesn't love you. He hates you because you're, you, you're just a, a loser and God doesn't care about you and he hates you. That's not true. God loves you. Now, the story of the prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son is not actually about the son. It's not even about the other son. It's about the father. He's given us a picture of how our heavenly father is towards us. 
So the prodigal son goes off and he <clears throat> lives a high life in a pigsty. And um, he comes to the end of himself where he realizes, I can't live this way anymore. And he comes back to his father thinking, okay, cross my fingers. Maybe he'll let me be the groom for the horses. Maybe, because I know, listen, in his house, the servants, they're not looking at the pig's well and hope, wishing they could have some. His servants are well fed. And if I could just get in a place where I was the groom for the horses or sweeping the yards, but I was fed every day, I'd be doing great. Maybe. And what does he find? What's the story when he comes back? He finds open arms, doesn't he? What are the open arms all about? He's loved. But you see, he was, he was a wretch. He took all the dad's money and he went off and he wasted it. He, did, he did, gave the father every reason to hate him. But he didn't hate him. He still loved him. And he says, kill the fatted calf and get, get him a ring and, 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 and get him a cloak and put it on him because he was dead and he's come back. And The heavenly father waits for us to come back to him. Because he loves us. doesn't hate us. He loves us. Troubles, keep, troubles also keep us humble. Paul's thorn of the flesh. Here's Paul. Mighty man of God. Serving God. A holy man. A godly man. A man with everything going for him. A man who'd given up, given up much for God. And God gives him the thorn of the flesh and he won't take it away. And Paul asks three times, will you take it away? No, I'm not taking it away. And God says, for my grace is sufficient for thee. And Paul says, oh, I get it. You've given me this thorn in the flesh so that I can lean upon you and you can be strong in me. Okay, I'm not complaining about the thorn in the flesh. I embrace it. I glory in tribulations. I glory in my thorn now. I'm glad of my thorn now. In other words, the trouble that God brought into Paul's life was to stop him from being proud and to help him to walk closer to God. And he got it, and he went with it, and he was glad for it. He was happy about it. See, God's not, God's not out to, out to score points off you, and he's not out to get even with you, and he's not out to, uh, <coughs> you, you know, ju just, just to show you that you're nothing. God wants to draw you to himself. Everything he's doing in your life is to draw you to himself. Everything he's doing is to, to draw you into that sweet relationship with him. You're his child. He's not going to just cast you off and not care about you. Do, do keep that in mind that God, God is always seeking to draw you into a relationship with him. And then number four, God loves to deliver us. He's known as a deliverer. Do you think God, God, God is known as a deliverer in the Bible? <clears throat> Israel out of Egypt. Isn't that a wonderful picture? I remember joking about the, um, uh, uh, the Prince of Egypt. But that's a wonderful film. Because right? uh, what it does is uh, it shows you, uh, you know, an impossible situation. You know, if, 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 if you draw a canvas and put impossible things on it, Israel, the slaves, getting free from the greatest empire in the world is impossible. God drew that picture, by the way. God sent them down to Egypt. God was in that picture all the way through. 
What does he do? He delivers them with power and glory. He delivers them. He sets them free. Why? Because he's a deliverer. The whole picture is about how he's going to deliver them. In the book of Judges, again and again, God delivers. Israel sins. <clears throat> because they sin, uh, God visits them with judgment and their enemies come in and then they cry out to God. And God delivers them again and again and again. It's a sad cycle. But it's, it's it, God delivering them again and again. <clears throat> uh, God delivered Saul, David from Saul, <clears throat> uh, Solomon, um, <clears throat> the kings and Daniels and the three boys. God's always delivering people. That's who he is. Now, did they all deserve delivering? Did David deserve delivering? After he sinned with Bathsheba and murdered her husband, did David deserve delivering? No. But that doesn't stop God from delivering us. If God only delivered the people that deserve to be delivered, there wouldn't be any of us getting delivered. Did Israel deserve delivering? No, they didn't. It's not like that with God. God doesn't say, call upon me, get your life straightened out, work things out in your life, do right, live right, and when you've lived right for six months, come back and talk to me about it, and I'll see about it over you. That's what we say. That's what God says. God says, call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you. God says, listen, just call upon me. Just cry out to me. Call upon me. See, God wants to deliver you. Romans 8.32 says this. It says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And very logical there of Paul. Paul's a real logical, rational thinker. He says, listen, if God gave heaven's best, his most priceless, impossible to value son to save you when you didn't care about him. How's he going to hold anything else back from you? Why would he? You know, why would he hold back anything that's good for you? He, he wouldn't. He holds it back, it's because it's not good. It's because he's got a better plan. He's not holding anything back from you. He's, listen, he loves you. <clears throat> um, and thou shalt glorify me. And this is important. Don't miss this part of it, right? Call upon me in the day of trouble. Uh, <clears throat> uh, I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. It's important to God that you recognize him as your deliverer. Don't miss that. Don't miss it. Uh, <clears throat> sometimes we do. Sometimes we call upon God in the day of trouble and then we think, oh, it just worked out. Hey, that's not bad. That just worked out. You know what? Law of averages probably was going to work out somehow and, and, and it worked out. And we fail to recognize, no, it was him. He did it. He glorified me. Now, how are you going to glorify God? By giving thanks. You know what Ori and Heather are doing tomorrow down in Arkell? 
It's a giving thanks for Sarah. They're giving thanks publicly so that everybody can understand that they are thanking God for what happened. Do you know that's important to God? Do you know it's important that you give thanks to God? Say God delivers you from some great problem. And, you know, you get delivered and your life gets turned around and everything has changed. Do you know what God wants you to do? God wants you to give him the glory. Do you know the most dangerous thing in the world you can do at that point? Is take the glory for yourself. That's the most dangerous thing in the world. You say, why is that dangerous? Because God's a jealous God and he doesn't share his glory. And we're very likely, when God does something great in our lives and people are amazed at us, because you know what, the world doesn't see God. We're very likely to go, well, you know, uh, yeah, I kind of I did, you know. Um, yeah, I kind of I worked out that problem, didn't I? We're very likely to look at the situation and think we did it ourselves. And you know what happens when, when you think you did it yourself? You offend God. But when you give thanks, and give thanks publicly, in other words, when somebody puts it up to you how wonderful you are, no, I tried. I couldn't fix it. But God stepped in and he fixed it in a heartbeat. He is amazing. And I gave him all the thanks. You know what you do? You step out of the way and you get, let the glory that belongs to God go to God. That's real important in your life. Don't miss that one. Don't, miss, don't take that glory. Don't touch that glory. Somebody tries to put it on you, don't touch it. Because he's a jealous God and he will not share his glory. <clears throat> when others see us being delivered, that gives glory to God. And by declaring God's goodness and blessings, how good he is. We sing that song, he is always good. And he is. He's always good. And when we live and let him work in our lives, it's not because we're good, we're not, but he is good. And we let other people know he's always good. But you know what we have to do? Or we short-circuit all of this. We have to be humble enough to admit our needs. We don't have to fix our problems. That short circuits the whole thing. We have to be humble enough to admit our needs. I wonder tonight, are you humble enough to admit your need? See, when you're humble enough to admit your need, then you call upon him, Lord, I can't. Would you do it? Would you help me? And God says, of course I will, son. Of course I will, daughter. Come on, let's sort it out. That's what he's saying. Call upon me in the hour of need, and I will deliver you, and thou shalt glorify me. Do you need to call upon him tonight? I mean, just is there something in your life you need to call upon him for? Then do it. We're going to bow our heads, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to give you an opportunity. Where you sit, just call upon him. Lord, I need you. Help me. And the promise is, I will deliver you.
Isn't that what you need? Call upon me in the hour of need, and I will deliver you. Let's stand, and I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to give you a few moments. The piano's going to play quietly, and you just call upon the Lord. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for this evening. Thank you for your word. Thank you for a precious promise, Lord, from the Psalms. Thank you for a promise, Lord, that many of us have learned to trust and to depend upon, and Lord, we've learned to call upon you. Lord, there are needs, and there's brokenness, and there's burdens, and there's problems that can't be fixed in this room. Lord, would you just step in now and help this people to call upon you? And we know you'll keep your end of it. But help them right now to realize they can't, but you can, and to call upon you. In Jesus' name.